This is the Creator Smarts Podcast, the number one podcast where you will learn to leverage your online following to build a smart and future-proof education business. I'm your host, Jan. Hey everybody, it's your Dutch friend Jan and you are listening to episode 153 of the Creator Smarts Podcast. And last year I sold two companies, or I should say I sold my share in two companies. And one of them was um, a translation business that I started about 10 years ago when I was still in college. I think it was about 20, 22 or 23, I started a translation agency and uh, I ran that for yeah eight, eight or nine years. But then last year I decided that was no longer for me and I sold my share to my former business partner. And I actually last week I sold my share in a language boost. So if you go to YouTube and you search for the Language Boost channel or you go to languageboost.biz, you can see an online education business where I used to talk about learning foreign languages. And um, that's a project that we started, I don't know, I think six or seven years ago, but I hadn't really been doing anything for it uh, over the last two years. So I decided to sell that as well and uh, found a buyer. So there's a few things that I learned from selling these companies. Well, I should say from building and selling these companies. Um, and uh, yeah, in this episode, I'm going to share with you four of uh, the uh, most important lessons that I learned. Um, and just to be clear, I did not make millions from making these sales. And you might think, well, millions, that's quite a lot, right? Why, why would you think that? I will make millions. Well, if we look in the, um, like among startups, right? If, if we look at like what's happening in, in Silicon Valley, but even like just traditional businesses, like if you manage to grow, even if it's if it's a traditional business for about 10 years, then it's actually very likely that you can make millions once you exit. Uh, that was not the case for me. It was due to some, I would say, yeah, maybe mistakes, but also a few choices that um, uh, decisions that I made, but I knew, well, anyway, let me just give you a few examples, right? So first lesson, when you start a new business or even when you're building it, you should ask yourself what kind of business it is that you're trying to build. Are you trying to build a lifestyle business? So this is basically what I did with um, with Creator Smarts, right? Uh, sorry, with, uh, with Language Boost. It was my goal to travel the world and make money online. And that's exactly what I did. In my 20s, I visited uh, 103 countries. I was really interested in learning foreign languages. And I did that for many years. And I wanted to have enough money to, well, to do that, to do nine things, to to book, I don't know, 30, 35 flights per year, um, maybe even more, actually. And to just have the freedom, meet lots of interesting people, um, go on dates everywhere. I just wanted to like going out to restaurants, uh, eating out in restaurants twice per day for like eight years of my life. That's what I did. I still don't know how to cook because I basically, I never had to cook. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not sure if you can relate, but that, that was a, that was a choice, right? I wanted to start a lifestyle business. And when you build, when you decide to build a lifestyle business, um, you're actually going to make some opportunity costs, right? If you if you only work one or two hours per day, then and you're going to spend most of your day, I don't know, practicing languages, meeting people, doing fun things. 
um, watching YouTube, I guess. I mean, doing all the things means that you're not doing the things that it takes to mil to build a multi-dollion, um, sorry, a multi-million dollar business, right? There's going to be huge op opportunity cost there. So often when I think about my 20s, um, I do think that it was the best life ever, but I also paid the price because if I had been seriously building both the translation business but also a language boost, then I probably could have been exited it for uh well for four millions this year right and now i didn't actually it was way less than that so i i paid the price for that and i just want you to be aware that you know if you're in your 20s or actually your age doesn't matter but if you decide to build a lifestyle business yes you're gonna get the lifestyle but you're not gonna get you're not really building anything valuable you're not really building anything that's sellable most likely most likely, right? And then there is a so-called cash flow business. And that's what we're trying to do with Creator Smarts here. So the difference, at least in, in my opinion, between a lifestyle business and a cash flow business is that, well, the name says it, right? A lifestyle, with a lifestyle business, you optimize a business to support your lifestyle. Whereas for a cash flow business, you're actually working full time, you're working on it very hard, and the goal is not to create something, it's not necessarily to 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 sell the company in, in a few years from now or you know, in the future, but is to um is to take out the cash that you make and well either either spend it or put it in your bank account or invest it, make some personal investments. It's basically to 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 provide cash flow for you personally, right? And that's what we're doing with Creator Smarts. Um, another option is, of course, a startup. And the reason I don't consider Creator Smarts as a startup is that, well, first of all, we are not a tech company. Uh, we've also we also never taken on investment, and we're also not really planning on taking on investments. Um, on top of that, we're also not really planning to sell the company. This is something that we can do for, well, for five years, for 10 years. Creator Smarts basically is an education company. And on top of that, we also are building a portfolio of online education businesses. And our goal is not really to, to sell Creator Smarts. Maybe companies that are part of Creator Smarts, but not really Creator Smarts um, itself because it's what we like doing, is what we like doing in the long term. We enjoy the process. And um, yeah, we're not really aiming for a big cash out at the end, which is exactly what most startups are doing, right? So startups reinvest most of their profits back in the startup um, with Creator Smarts. We are also trying to do that, of course, trying to reinvest most of our profits, but it's not always obvious how to reinvest all the profits. So um, yeah, we just take out some of those profits and that uh, make sure that we make enough to uh, have an enjoyable life and to um, yeah to have a high quality life and to at the same time do some really good stuff for our clients and um, yeah well running creative smart gives us a lot of fulfillment so lifestyle business cash flow business or a startup do you want a lifestyle business okay focus on your lifestyle but just be aware and don't expect a big exit in many years from now, right? And if you have a cash flow business, then I guess you have to, you, you cannot just go and travel without a reason, 
right? Like the aim is to work and to build something. And um, I guess another disadvantage is not really a disadvantage, but I guess uh, a cash flow business is usually not really sellable, right? And it's hard to take on investment. But if you're not interested in doing that anyway, then it doesn't really matter. And as for the startup, yeah, the startup is hard work. Um, but if you do things right, you take on lots of risk, right? You're investing your own money. You're investing other people's money. Um, your reputation is at stake. And um, if you're building a startup, you can't really afford, especially in the first years, like for flying business class or like going for fancy dinners. You really need to show the investors that you're serious about what you do and you need to reinvest all your profits and then aim for a big cash out at the end. The big, the, there is a risk there, right? If it doesn't work out and most startups do fail, then in the end, you're not going to have anything. You're not going to have lots of cash personally because you cannot really justify giving yourself a high salary as a CEO of a, or a co-founder, a founder of a startup. And um, yeah, if the business fails and of course you're also not going to get you're not going to be able to sell so you're going to end with nothing at the end um well at least you're probably going to have some experience and uh, hopefully a good network but i think it's important to take into account and to really um, be aware of what kind of business that you are selling if you are building a lifestyle business and you end up selling it for not much which was the case for me then you know, maybe that's not a bad thing after all. At least you got the lifestyle. But don't forget that you paid the price for that. I did pay the price for that. Living that lifestyle cost me at least a million in opportunity cost, I think. But that's okay. So that was the first lesson. The second lesson is that you should always try to build your company in a way that it's sellable, right? So not everybody wants to sell their company, but it's uh, it's it's good practice to do that. Because, well, I talked about this on uh, on Joe Franco's podcast, actually. But if you make a business sellable, it means that your business runs on systems and on people, on a good team, all right? So a company that has good systems and has a team and everybody knows what to do and has processes is just more scalable, more enjoyable, less things go wrong. It's going to be less stressful, just more predictable, right? When investors want to build a company, they, they they want to be able to predict what's going to happen with the company. And it's only going to happen if you have a good team and if you have the systems and processes in place. So um, even if you don't have a sellable company or if you're not interested in selling your company, try to sell it in, a, uh, try to build the company in a way so that it becomes sellable also it's just nice to have options right yes maybe you don't want to build your, maybe you don't want to sell your company but it's good to have that option it's good to know that if you really want it you could sell your company for a very high price it's uh, just gives you certainty it's uh, certainty uh, it's going to make you feel more comfortable it's going to make you feel more confident uh, it's just a good thing to do and this is actually something that we did not do nor with the translation agency, nor with the, uh, I guess, language booth was sellable in um, in some way. But with the translation business, business, I was basically still doing a lot of work myself. Um, 
a lot of the business value depended on my personal relationship with the clients and with the uh, with the translators who were working for us. Um, yeah, we did have some systems, but the systems were not really optimized. And you know, when I once I decided to to sell my share, I realized you know after talking to other people in the industry, um, also a mediator who helped me negotiate the deal between me and my former business partner. He also pointed out that our business was actually not really sellable and therefore the value goes down a lot. So again, at a time, it was kind of a lifestyle business, but um, if I had done things more seriously, then should have hired people and created the processes. Um, I know that you are a creator, and the things that I've been talking about so far sounds maybe a bit too too business business, if you see what I mean. So to make it a bit more practical for you, we always say that if you start out or once you start out as a creator, you should start as a, as a personal brand, right? Show your face because that's how you're going to compete against the big brands. Now, the problem with that is that your company is not sellable, right? If it's all about you, like what if for some reason you're not able to to shoot videos anymore. Well, that's the end of the business, right? And yeah, probably people will keep watching your videos and buying your courses for the next year, two years, maybe even longer, but it's almost gonna be impossible to grow your brand if it's all about you. Um, so there is a few, we have also seen that with Oli, right? He started out with uh, a blog that was called I Will Teach You A Language. It was all about the polyglot Oli who spoke seven languages. And now he actually is turning it into something that's more sellable. That's not all about him. Um, and you can do that by creating a methodology. So you don't make it all about yourself. You make it about your method, right? And another way to do that is by making it all about your clients, right? So you share case studies about your clients and you make them the new ambassadors of your brand. It's another way to do it. Um, so, yeah, just a few thoughts. Again, if you are building a lifestyle business here that you enjoy doing and you enjoy creating all these videos, then that's fine. It's the fastest way to get traction. But once you've come to a stage where you have a established business, you're making good money and you get tired of, of making all these videos and you don't want to do everything yourself, you don't think that's uh, sustainable any longer, then you could consider to transitioning to uh, a business brand like Peter Galante of Innovative Language did, for example. He started out with uh, a podcast for Japanese learners, and now he has this massive brand, Innovative Language, with, I don't know, I think it's like 32 YouTube channels, websites, apps, this massive language education empire, right? And it's not longer about himself, but his company now is sellable, and he could probably sell it for tens of millions of dollars. So... Um, something to think about. How can you make your business more sellable, even if you're not planning on selling your business, right? That was lesson number two. The third one, something that I have to say about business partners here. I've had two business partners in the past, and I still do have two, uh, two business partners at the moment, right? So the translation business was a partnership, the uh, language boost was a partnership. 
Creator Smart is also a partnership. It's me and Ollie. We're doing this 50-50. And then within Creator Smart, we also have partnerships with, uh, with, with other creators. And so the thing I learned is that it's better to become friends with somebody you do business with than starting a business with a friend. Right? So, okay, let me give you a few examples. I started a translation business with with a friend, somebody, uh, a friend from high school, and we're actually still good friends. And it's 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 very easy, right? You you get along well with somebody, you're good friends, and then you say, "Hey, let, let's let's do this business." We both like the business. When you do that, there is a a risk that you don't complement each other, that your skills don't complement each other, right? Um, it's it's just very hard to make that you you choose a business partner that way for the wrong reason you choose them because you like them but you choose should choose your business partner because they can somebody they can bring something to the table that you can't it can be either skills it can be capital it can be something else it can be personality um, but if you both have the same the same skills then it's just not going to work out in the long run right so yeah it's a business that that worked. But it never really exploded because there was a left, there was a like our our common skill set was not there were some things missing there to um, take the company to the next level. And then there is Creator Smart, for example, right? So you could say, hey, yeah, but Oli is your friend as well, right? Why did you start Creator Smart with him? And actually, it was the same thing with uh, with Language Boost. I think the big difference there is that from day one, from the day we met, we always talked about business. We always talked about well back in the day it was still was still running I mean YouTube right or building an online blog building a mailing list all those basic things we've been talking about those things from the very beginning same thing with Lucas the first day I met Lucas he said hey man how can we do something together because I think we have a similar vision here and I think that that's that that's very different that's very different because because you know. You, you choose each other. That way you choose a business partnership or a business partner based on their skills and their vision. And the friendship is something that you can build later. Right? So that's the same thing that we're doing within Creator Smarts now. When we're looking for business partners or for strategic partners, we're looking for people who can do stuff that we can't and who cannot do stuff which we can and we are really looking for that. Is one plus one going to be more than three? And if yes, any other nice people to work with, we share the same vision, then it could become a potential partnership, but we never go to friends. Um, and I have to say that most relationships that we've built through Creator Smarts are actually kind of, they're a mix. Yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm friends with some of the guys, but at the same time, we also have an existing business relationship. So I think that's really the um, the ideal dynamics that you are looking for here. Uh, usually, it's not a good idea to start a business with a friend. So that's at least my observation after more than four partnerships. Um, there is a YouTuber, Alex Hamosi. I've talked about him before. He's, bl he's blowing up on YouTube now, by the way. Um, he said that he interviewed or he proposed his wife to work for him on the first date. <laughs> he said, we, the reason we got married was actually for the money, was actually for the business. And that might sound a bit extreme, but I know exactly what he was talking about. 
he said he first built the business relationship with his wife and only then started working on the uh, on, on the romance and um <laughs> i'm not saying that that's how you should should choose your your future wife or your spouse but i think it's a very interesting um way of 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 doing it i think within business i would definitely follow that that strategy first you first you build a business relationship and then you can become friends and then if you can do both of that then you can potentially become um really good business partners so that's how we try to do it nowadays the fourth lesson and i'm I'm still not very good at this but I'm, i'm i'm trying to become better at it is that you should always try to it, it's about the process and it's not about a big exit in the end right and then oftentimes when you know when i'm working and i'm getting frustrated because maybe things don't go as i want them to go i get frustrated and i, I sometimes lose some joy i mean i think overall i'm pretty good at this but i mean it happens to all of us it's 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 not about making 50k per month it's also not about selling your company for millions. It's about building something that you believe in, that you're going to think is going to be valuable for, for the marketplace. Um, something that gives you fulfillment, that you're good at, that gets you into that flow mode. And um, it's all about that. That That's the game. And... At Creator Smart, we're we're doing something similar, right? So, in generally, we only work with the people that excite us. So, when we go about hiring people, we work with lots of freelancers. We tend to hire people who are good, but also that are fun to work with and that are reliable and they give us energy. It's the same thing with with clients. Do we share the same vision? Do they make us excited? And if that's the case, then we then we might consider working with them because it's not it's it's really not about the money it's not about a big exit it's about it's about that thing that i just said getting into that float state and being excited about what it is you do um i was at a wedding in new york last month and we're sitting around the dinner table and I was sitting next to this guy. He was a banker from from well from New. He was actually from Switzerland, but he had been working in, in New York for a while now. A bit older than me, thirty eight. And we we're talking about work. And he said, "Well, I'm very open about the amount of money that I make." So, well, so how much do you earn then? And he said, seven hundred k per year. Seven hundred k. That's a lot of money, right? And he said, "But you know what? Actually, it's not that much." He said, "I just bought an apartment." in Manhattan for 2.6 million uh, he said I need to spend another 800 grand on the renovation I have two kids who need to go to private schools like 50k per year for each kid um, of course he pays taxes so like the harvest like of that 700k 350k goes straight to to Uncle Sam as they say um, and he also said, like, this kind of work is that I have to work so hard all the time. I, I can only do that until I, I don't know, until I turn 50 and then I'm going to retire, I think. And, um, yeah, there were there were quite a lot of people from um, 
there were other bankers and people who worked in insurance and there were surgeons and it was a very um, <laughs> high level wedding and there was another guy who I talked to and he was talking about you know how hard that he worked and sometimes he would be taking calls until 4am and he said yeah but you know I'm making so much money and then I said but you know I'm thinking about retiring soon he said well, what about you how do you think about this when are you going to retire and then I, I told him I said, I said man I retired in my 20s <laughs> And then he looked at me and he was like, what? He said, man, when I hear you talk about work, I said, I've never experienced that. I've always tried to do things that generally excite me and at the same time can also make me a living, right? So I might not be making as much money as you, at least not for the moment, but uh, at least that's what I thought. I, th I thought I might not be making as much as you, but you know, at least I'm enjoying what I do and I can do this work until I'm, you know, until, I'm, until my 80s probably, hopefully. Um, so... Try to enjoy the process. It's going to make you a happier person overall. And if you're going to be happy about yourself, about what you do, then your customers and the people around you are also going to be more happy. So, um, yeah, I th try to enjoy the process. And you can only do that once you've figured out what exactly you're good at, what you like doing, and what the market what marketplace needs. All right? And uh, it took me 10 years to find out what that thing is, and the answer is Creator Smart. It's, for, for example, recording this podcast interview. That's all part of it, right? A podcast episode is not an interview, by the way. Um, but yeah, most people never find that one thing. So, so keep searching and quit things that are that don't have potential, that are not growing, even if they're very addictive like my participation in the translation agency and the language boost were i mean they were they were quite lucrative those businesses were still making money and i didn't really have to do any work just some admin every month but you know despite the fact that they were still making generating some income for me every month i decided to cut and to and to kill those projects well at least get rid of those projects because it's all about if you want to find the thing in life that that only you can do, you need to brutally kill everything that's not working, that doesn't have the potential, and focus more on projects that have, do more of that. And um, that's the reason for which I stop with those projects and that uh, we're doubling down on things here with creative smarts it's all about that having that mental space that's uh so that's one thing and if you do that for long enough then believe me sooner or later it might take you five years ten years maybe 20 years but sooner or later you're going to find a thing that you that you're good at and that's going to make you happy so yeah not sure if this is going to be helpful for you I hope so. This was just something that was on my mind and sometimes I tend to use the podcast just to clear my thoughts and hopefully um, share some ideas with you guys that you guys can can either uh, go and implement or well, just listen to it and uh, <laughs> wait until the next podcast episode. But um, yeah, anyway, thank you for listening and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Ciao.